Nest Talk Episode 12, recorded on October 10th, 2018. I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. We've got a lot of things to cover today. First, we'll talk about Baltimore's loss to Cleveland in a really heart-wrenching, gut-churning matchup that yielded no touchdowns on the Ravens' side, a complete disaster offensively. The Ravens also added cornerback Cyrus Jones and waived a player to add him to the roster. Um, we're also going to talk about some trade proposals that other people in the Ravens media circles have uh, speculated on. And finally, we will look ahead to the Ravens and Titans Week 6 matchup this Sunday. Okay, so first we're going to talk about the very deflating Cleveland Browns lost. Um, the Ravens just, in this game... The defense was fine. Let's establish that first off. The defense did well. They only held the Browns to 12 points. Three of those points came in overtime. Um, so one touchdown as well. But, you know, that's the only thing the, Ra- the Browns were able to get were those 12 points throughout the game. If the Ravens simply scored 13 points, 14 points, they would have won. But or Actually, if they had scored 10 points in the first half, they would have won the game. But Baltimore um, wasn't able to do that. A lot of the struggles came in the passing game. Uh, Joe Flacco, 29 for 56, just over 51% uh, completion. Uh, a lot of the incompletions weren't his fault. There were a lot of drops, especially from wide receiver Michael Crabtree, who seemingly couldn't catch anything throughout most of the game. He had a stretch of a few good catches, but he dropped um, surefire catches here and there to the way of extended drives, kept them alive, but couldn't get that. And then towards the end of the game, with less than a minute on the clock, uh, Crabtree had a chance to win the game with a ball that was right in his hands in the end zone, and he just couldn't hold it. He couldn't grab it. Um, the Ravens ultimately would lose the game, uh, frankly, because of the poor offensive performance and especially because of receivers like Crabtree. Um, turnovers were also an issue. Joe Flacco threw a um, terrible interception, but in his defense it was tipped uh, at the goal line. Again, another issue there um, at the goal line. And Buck Allen also fumbled the ball on a, um, I believe it was a little um, screen pass or something, and he, he got the ball and started running, and then he, uh, he he didn't get to the ground in time, and the ball came out, and the Browns recovered. Um, seemingly, um, throughout the game, it was just over and over again, a missed opportunity, missed opportunity, missed opportunity, miscue, 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 failure, failure, failure on the offensive side. They just couldn't get the ball. Um, to certain points on the field. They couldn't just keep moving. It was just very difficult for the Ravens to, to hold on to drives because they would move the drive into midfield to the four, opposite 40-yard line, and it would just stall out there. It would just All these drives just kept stalling out. And then, of course, there was a blocked field goal as well. Justin Tucker missed on a block. The Ravens, then in overtime, tried to get the ball in the field goal range. That would have won the game because the Browns didn't score on their first drive in overtime. They get in a field goal range by way of an uh, of an Alex Collins run. That was really a great run. Um, that probably would have put him around 80 yards on the game, uh, or at least 75. I forget how long this run was, but puts him right in a field goal range for Justin Tucker. Except there's a flag on the play. Um, Chris Moore is called for an illegal block in the back. Now, this is kind of a weird call because it didn't really look like an illegal block in the back. It looked like he just kind of tripped, and he didn't even push the guy. He just tripped near him. I don't know what the call was about, but still, I mean, the miscues on the Ravens' offense, no matter how you frame it, it it, it just was a problem. And then Alex Collins had a pretty good game to start, um, some really nice runs to start with, but 
it was just very difficult for them to keep up the running game. Um, they couldn't continue it. They couldn't. Um, they couldn't find consistency there, and there were a lot of plays that were just blown up for him. Um, only finished the game with 59 yards on 12 attempts. He got pulled out of the game at one point with um, an injury scare, but he ended up coming back in the game later on in overtime, of course. Um, other than that, John Brown, Willie needed pretty well. John Brown missed one catch on the, along the sideline that probably would have put the Ravens in field goal range to win the game uh, late in the game, but his foot was out of bounds, and he, he tried very hard. It was a one-handed catch. He tried very hard. He just couldn't get it down. Can't really blame him for that. Uh, Hayden Hurst got his first start in the game. Uh, pretty good performance by him. You know, nothing crazy, just one reception, but you're not looking for a whole lot with him to start with. He'll develop into a player along the season. Um, other than that, uh, the Ravens' offense wasn't very good. Again, the defense held them in there. The defense did well. Um, Tavon Young got an interception. Um, the the Browns' running game, uh, one of the best in the league, only held them to 122 yards total. Um, which is really, really a good stat because the Browns usually get over 150 a game. Carlos Hyde on 17 runs was held to 63 yards only, which is an average of 3.7. Um, he's usually much better than that for the Browns. Uh, also in the running game, Duke Johnson ran five times for 33, 35 yards, but that was towards the end of the game, uh, especially in overtime. He had a few runs when the Ravens were just gassed at that point after a few drives in overtime. They just couldn't handle it anymore. Nick Chubb ran three times, only got two yards. Not a very good day for him, just seven on the average. Baker Mayfield, two runs for 23 yards. And then Rod Streeter had a jet sweep play that went for negative 11, which was, an, which was a very good play to blow up for the Ravens. Uh, but going back to Baker Mayfield, he threw the ball 43 times, completed 25 of those passes, 342 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I thought he would throw another interception in my original predictions for this game. Didn't work out that way. He played better than I thought he would way over the 150-yard uh, mark where they said he'd fall around. He got 343, uh, for, sorry, 342. Mayfield seemingly tore apart the Ravens' secondary for a while, but they were able to lock down at certain points, too. They, they didn't allow, they only allowed one touchdown the entire game uh, for Mayfield and his receiver, Rashard Higgins. So, overall, uh, you can't complain there because the Ravens' defense was able to finish th consistently throughout the game, but I mean, with at the end with a few seconds left, they couldn't stop a field goal. I mean, there comes a point where you just can't can't continue on anymore after five quarters essentially. But again, the main storyline of this game, uh, Ravens offense and the miscues on the offense caused the the team to lose ultimately. Just a very sloppy performance. I think that they weren't very prepared for the Cleveland Browns. They, they weren't expecting the Cleveland Browns to do very well. They underestimated them, and I said they couldn't underestimate them. They underestimated them, and now. They've lost to the Cleveland Browns. Um, hopefully they can fix these offensive mistakes in the future um, and and prevent these miscues and really to solidify themselves again as one of the top teams in the AFC because if the offense can get rolling and be scoring upwards of 25 points per game again with a defense that's holding opponents to you know, 15 points and under for the most part, they're going to just keep winning and winning and winning. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. Ravens have a lot of soul searching to do after this game. It's not the end of the world, though. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to. They always have a bad game here and there in the season, and they'll make they'll make the corrections they need to to fix these mistakes. Ultimately, this will this will be a uh, learning moment for the Ravens, and um, and look, they have all three of their um, division away games done. They played at at Cincinnati, at Pittsburgh, and now at Cleveland in the first five weeks. 
they'll see their division opponents all at home from here on out. The Ravens have another home game. I'm sorry, another away game uh, this coming Sunday against the Titans. But after that, they're home at the Saints. So we'll have to see how they how it plays out. Potentially, home field advantage will help them. Um, usually, the Ravens are pretty good at M&T Bank Stadium. They don't really lose a lot in that um, in the stadium. Okay, so the Ravens also um, added Cyrus Jones, cornerback Cyrus Jones, who spent time on the practice squad earlier this offseason, um, formerly with the Patriots' second-round pick. Uh, didn't really work out there. Bill Belichick, you know, liked him. He had him on the team, practice squad, and back on the team again. Um, never really made a huge impact for the for the uh, I'm sorry Pittsburgh Steelers for the New England Patriots, um, but the Ravens think that he can be a return guy for them. And after Tim White's struggles um, against the Cleveland Browns, the fumble that almost cost the Ravens another turnover. Luckily, Kenny Young jumped on it. Um, with that fumble, and then with the concerns of the fumbles in the preseason, the Ravens just felt like we need someone else in here. They're bringing in Cyrus Jones. Cyrus Jones might not even be the guy to take the position as the return man. Um, John Harbaugh today, not too long ago actually, in a press conference, said that the Ravens this week will also look at uh, wide receivers John Brown and Willie Sneed for the position. Um, the Ravens could also look at Chris Moore for the position. Um, he was on the the, the the depth chart um, a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, for the kick return position. Um, he's handled kick returns before punts and kicks. Uh, so the Ravens need to figure out who they want as their um, their returner because this is a big position that needs to be filled. The Ravens special teams is always trying to be the best in the league with John Harbaugh. You know, very very strict about his special teams. It's definitely a way that he thinks he can win the game. So if they don't find somebody who's going to be able to return the ball well and not cough it up then this team's going to have a very hard... Um, well, this team's not going to do very well on special teams. Um, they haven't found that person yet. I thought Janarian Grant would be the most electric of them, but the two fumbles really um, sealed his deal on the practice squad for the rest of the season. The wave, Ravens uh, waved Tim White. Ugh, that was a mouthful. The Ravens waved Tim White. Um, they put him on the practice squad as well, uh, so he'll be he'll be there. They cut Randon, Randon Cressilis offensive lineman on the practice squad to make room for Tim White. Um, will Tim White ever end up, end up back on the Ravens roster? I don't know. Maybe. The Ravens still like like him as a re- receiver, um, but they've got five other receivers on the roster right now that they like, um, so we'll have to see how, how that plays out. And the good move about, the good thing about the Cyrus Jones move is that the Ravens only really have four cornerbacks healthy right now. Jimmy Smith, um, Tavon Young, Brandon Carr, and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Anthony Averett is injured, and Maurice Kennedy is on the IR. Um, so this move also provides Raven, the Ravens some depth at quarterback. You had the injury scare with Tavon Young in the game uh, at Cleveland, leaving the Ravens with only three cornerbacks, which really would have stressed that secondary. But he came back in the game, and Anthony Levine was, was ready basically to come down from safety and play cornerback. So um, the Ravens definitely needed some, some roster depth there, and this provides them with a returner potentially and a cornerback who's going to be able to provide depth at the uh, at that position and they come in and play because he, he's, he's got talent. He's a former second-round pick. He was with the Patriots for a couple of years. He's got the talent. There's no question about that. It's just whether or not he can put that talent on the field and turn it into something that the Ravens um, would think is worth um, putting on the field, essentially. Okay, so um, that move is already done. 
he's definitely on the he's officially on the roster now. Here's another move that people or someone is proposing: Richard Bradshaw of the Ebony Bird, uh, a fellow Baltimore Ravens blog uh, owned by Fansided, thinks that the Ravens should trade for Saints running back Mark Ingram. Uh, he believes that this would help um, the Ravens' offense and their struggles in the run game, replacing Alex Collins with Mark Ingram. Ingram is coming off a four-game PED suspension. Um, played played his first game on Monday night of the season. Did pretty well. He had set over 70 yards on 18 carries. Um, he probably would help the run game. I'm not going to lie. Mark Ingram is a very good running back. He's only 28 years old. He's still got a few years left in the tank. Uh, Alvin Kamara is also in New Orleans. So, I mean, he's electric. The The, the Saints could afford to lose uh, Mark Ingram or, or even make the decision that parting with Mark Ingram would be the best thing for the organization, potentially. Um, and the Ravens, you know, they've got a little bit more space than normal uh, in the salary cap department, and they could definitely make a move for uh, Mark Ingram. They'd probably have to cut uh, DeLance Turner from the roster then and then just keep Collins, t- um, Mark Ingram, and Buck Allen as the three running backs. But would the Ravens do this, and is it worth it? Um my argument would be no, it's not worth it, and the Ravens shouldn't do it. Um, I still think it's a little too early to give up on Alex Collins, especially since he averaged 4.9 yards a carry against the Cleveland Browns on 12 attempts. Um, I know that it's not the best best stats in the world for the 59 yards, but the 4.9 per, uh, yard per carry average is pretty darn good. Um, and I think if the Ravens you know, committed a little bit more to the run, they may have had a, a better time staying in the game with the Cleveland Browns and scoring more points. I think that's the mistake of the Ravens right now is they rely too heavily on the run game. Joe Flacco throwing the ball 56 times a game um, is it's just too predictable. And he's going to be throwing it to the, only those three receivers. Well, not only those three receivers, but for mostly those three receivers, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed. When you have Michael Crabtree being unreliable and dropping like four passes or whatever he dropped on Sunday – the Ravens' passing game is going to take a toll, and you need something else that's going to come in and be able to, to lift the load. And I don't think that the Ravens were doing themselves a great service by limiting um, Alex Collins' rushing attempts. The Ravens ultimately had more yards on the ground than, than the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns had 112, but okay, you know, so what? It wasn't that great. Flacco ran twice, had an 11-yard gain and then a 2-yard gain. Lamar Jackson three runs only had ten yards. The main the main running back isn't isn't being the workhorse that he needs to be. So I think that they need to give Alex Collins more opportunities and scale back the Lamar Jackson plays because it's killing the Ravens not killing the Ravens offense, but killing their their flow in the offense. It's, it's interrupting what what's already being being done and you know he's gonna run it. You know he or some or the running back is gonna run it. He's not. He threw it once. Okay, what do you do? But that's because he was trying to run it and there was nobody open. I mean, there was no lane open, so he had to throw the ball. Um, you're ne- they're never throwing to Joe Flacco. You would think that they would at least try once to throw to Joe Flacco. In all these attempts, they put Lamar Jackson on the field. They don't do it. They never do it. He lines up. He's a decoy. Nobody even covers him anymore. They all just focus on Lamar Jackson. These plays don't work. They simply aren't working very well. You're you're interrupting the flow. Of, of of the 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 offense of moving the ball and if you just had Alex Collins and Buck Allen doing most of the running um, I think they'd be in a much better position moving forward and just increase his carries um, 
we can't keep relying 56 times in the running. I'm sorry, in the passing game. I can see Flacco throwing for 40 times a game, but 56 times is just a little, a little much. So we'll have to see if the Ravens uh, listen to my advice here and, and take it. Um, because Alex Collins, I think he's got a lot of talent, and and if he's unleashed, then he'll be a uh, he'll be a solid player for the team. But going back to Mark Ingram, we're getting a little off topic here. Mark Ingram um, would be a bad decision for the Ravens. He's an unverified um, unverified uh, free agent next year. Um, I'm sorry, unrestricted unrestricted free agent, unverified unrestricted free agent next year. Um, he has a cap hit of five million dollars this season. Uh, not the highest in the world, but for a one one year wonder with Mark Ingram, um, it might not be worth it. And then you don't know what else will be offered next year. You'd have to lock him down, get him to agree to something quickly to make him wor- make him worth the pick, the pickup, because you're going to be trading a mid round pick at least to the 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 New Orleans Saints here for Mark Ingram. They're not going to part ways with him um, very very quickly and uh, very willingly unless they get a very good offer. And then of course there's the fact that the Ravens actually play the um, New Orleans Saints this not this week but the next week at home um, in Baltimore. So you have to wonder would the Saints even want to trade Mark Ingram to the Ravens, considering they're two weeks away from a uh, matchup with them. So all these factors come into play. I don't see this ever happening. I don't think it should happen. I think that it would be a bad move for the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. I think Alex Collins uh, still has the potential to come back and do what he did last year. I would not give up on him yet. I really think. Um, there's there's just too much time left in the season. It's way too early to to be throwing Alex Collins uh, under the bus at this point. I th- I think that they should definitely wait out and see what he does. Okay, that's all we have on the news speculation um, so far this week. And I want to talk a little bit about the Titans' upcoming game with the Ravens this week. So Baltimore will travel to uh, to Tennessee this weekend on Sunday. They'll have their game at 1 p.m. against the Tennessee Titans. Um, a similar matchup that they had last year with the Titans. The Ravens lost to the Titans last year in a very painful to watch game. Very, very terrible offensive game. It was just brutal. I couldn't bear to keep watching, uh, but I had to. Um, so like last week, we're going to go over three key matchups for the Ravens and Titans. And these three matchups will help help us to figure out who has the advantage hitting into the game. So first off, it's Marcus Mariota versus the Ravens secondary. In the Ravens secondary, again, Jimmy Smith, we went over this earlier, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, um, Tavon Young, and now Cyrus Jones. you got these five players, potentially Anthony Averett if he's, if he's healthy, so six, at least six here. You've got these six players who um, I think are the best secondary in the league. Jimmy Smith is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Marlon Humphrey is quickly transforming into one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Brandon Carr has had the best performance out of really any cornerback this league I'm sorry in the league this year so far Tavon Young is one of the best slot corners in the league Cyrus Jones I have no idea what Cyrus Jones is going to do in the 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 secondary um he's just a brand new addition so it's a little the jury's out on him and I think Anthony Averett should he come back healthy he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of potential to transform into one of the one of the um a good depth cornerback and potential starter somewhere down the road but Marcus Mariota, he's going to come in here and, and have to thread the needle. Um, he struggled not only with injuries, but overall play this year. Marcus Mariota, um, he's got two touchdowns on the season so far. And um, two touchdowns on the season, four interceptions. 
Um, so not a great start to the season for Marcus Mariota. He really needs to, to um, you know, get himself back on track here. And he's going to try to do it against this Ravens secondary. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be able to. Personally, I think that the Ravens secondary is going to have a great advantage to him. His receivers aren't really going to help him. Um, his receivers aren't going to really help him in this um, matchup either because... They simply just don't match up well with the Ravens secondary. I don't think uh, Corey Davis right now scares me if I'm Jimmy Smith. I don't think Taja... I'm sorry. I'm butchering this guy's name. Tajay Sharp. I don't think he's going to keep me up at night. Taylor Tawan. Darius Jennings. I mean, these are not players that keep me up at night. These are not guys who I'm very, very concerned about. Um, Tight ends Luke Stocker. Johnu Smith maybe might be their best receiver on this team. None of these guys are really going to make me me uh, nervous. And I think if you're the secondary, you're going to be able to take advantage of Mario to throwing some bad passes um, to you, and then you're going to get at least a pick or two. Uh, but you're going to get a lot of chances to get some picks. And I think that it's not going to be a very good game for Mario. I think he's going to struggle against this Ravens secondary. It's just not going to go well for him. Um, and he's going to be forcing the ball a lot, I think, because he's really trying to get him, his season back on track here. And this isn't going to be the game for that. I think Mariota's got a lot of talent, but this is just not the game he's going to do very well in. Um, Alex Collins versus the Titans front seven. Assuming the Ravens don't make a drastic move for the running back position, uh, like we talked about earlier with Mark Ingram, the Ravens are going to have Alex Collins as their starter, and I think that they're going to try to rely a little bit more on him uh, coming off of that loss in Cleveland where Crabtree just could not be depended upon and the Ravens' passing game was a little well, was stalling out at times. So Alex Collins versus the Titans' front seven. They've got a few good players on that tight, uh, the front seven for the Titans. You've got Jarrell Casey, Derek Morgan, um, Brian Arakpo, Wesley Woodyard, who's questionable for the game on Sunday. But Alex Collins, he's got to prove himself as as the running back for this Ravens team this year. Um if he doesn't do well against this front seven, if he can't get you know over 60 yards or at least 4.0 yards a carry um, for however many he gets, don't get um, hit in the backfield a lot, or at least avoid the tackles if you can when they occasionally come in the backfield. You know, Don't hover around too much. Just make a lane and go. Pick a lane and go. Um, these are all key things for Alex Collins. He's got to do that against his Titans front seven. Um, the front seven is good. I think they've got a good linebacking crew especially, but the Titans overall aren't going to be the, the, the greatest uh, coming at you. I think the Cleveland Browns on paper were, were a better defensive front seven than, the, the, uh, than the, the, the Titans, but I didn't think the Cleveland Browns would actually be able to do it, pull it off what they did uh, against the Ravens. So Alex Collins hopefully will have a better game here. Uh, I hope he gets over 70, maybe 80 yards in this game. 60 is probably what he'll get, though. Uh, I really want to see the Ravens give him a little bit more opportunities. All right, finally, Derrick Henry versus the Ravens' run defense. Derrick Henry's a big, powerful back. Uh, he's got he, he can drag players. Um, he'll drag you if you try to tackle him. He's going to pound through through the offensive line and through the defensive line and, and get some yards the old-fashioned way. Um, the Ravens' run defense has to be able to stuff him. If they if if Mariota's going to do bad against the secondary, the Ravens' secondary, which I think will happen, then if the Ravens can stuff the run game, then the Titans aren't going to be moving on offense at all. So Derrick Henry is going to be the workhorse. He's a very good running back, but the Ravens' run run defense is going to have to, to get in there and stop him. That includes Brandon Williams, Darius Smith, Brent Urban, 
um, Patrick Ricard, whoever is on that defensive line at any point in the game, including the, the outside linebackers and the inside linebackers, C.J. Mosley, Kenny Young, Peanut Anuaso, whoever's there, they have to watch out for Derrick Henry. That's going to be the, the number one factor um, on this Titans offense. Is they're going to pound the rock with Derrick Henry. That's what they like to do. That's what their identity is on the ground. Um, Derrick Henry, very, very good player, uh, former Heisman winner. You know, he struggled a little bit this season. Um, didn't do very well to start, but now he's kind of getting back into gear. Uh, last week against the Bills, 5.1 yards per carry. Um, even that, that that game was a loss. Only 11, um, 11, 11 attempts. I think they're going to try to k- get him um, upwards of 16 to 18 attempts this time. And if they, he can average 5.1 yards a carry, it's going to be deadly for that rate, for that Titans offense. Uh, the Ravens defense knows that they have to stop Derrick Henry. He's going to be the one that they're going to try to push on them. Um, if they can stop Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota from doing much of anything, then the defense is going to shut the team shut the team down. And as long as the offense can come in and regroup and do better and actually score a couple touchdowns, then this game should be a win for the Ravens. I think the Ravens have the advantage in all three of these matchups um, heading into the Titans game. Um, but that's what I said about Cleveland last year, that they have the advantage in all three as well. I think... That this is going to be um, not the easiest game in the world, but they do have the advantage in Tennessee. Okay, so that wraps up this week's edition of Nest Talk, episode 12. We are just flying on by through um, the season so far. We've got we're in week six of the regular season now in the NFL. Crazy. Ravens are three and two, still in the in the, uh, in, the in the hunt for the playoffs here. Of course, it's a little early to talk about playoffs. Okay, you can like us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Nest Talk. You can follow the Feather, the Baltimore Feather, on Twitter at Be More Feather, or like us on Facebook as well. I'm Chris Linfont. You can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Uh, signing out. See you all next week. <laughs>